There's a lot of brands out there that claim their headphones are the best on the market. That their headphones are made to withstand any condition, any activity. None of them have lived up to the hype. I've been wanting a headphone that can keep up with my lifestyle for years. And now there's finally one brand out there that's truly designed for the active music lover on the go. Bandphones is a Bluetooth, wireless, and water-resistant headset and a headband designed to eliminate the everyday annoyances that come with standard headphones. Whether it's tangled cords, headsets not staying on due to vigorous activity, perspiration, weather conditions, even sweat dripping into the earbuds themselves. With band phones, you can keep your music playing without any interruptions through any activity. Its unique design allows you to truly get active and sweat it out. Whether you're at the gym, on the run, catching some waves, hitting the slopes, or riding the half pipe. Band phones are lightweight, easy to clean, and adjustable to fit all sizes. Not only does its hands-free Bluetooth wireless technology allow you to move freely, but its water-resistant design lets you listen to music during water sports, even in the rain. With band phones, you no longer have to worry about water damage, annoying tangled wires, or loose earbuds. But don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. You'll never use another brand of headphones again. To make a purchase or for more information, visit bandphones.com. Metal Knight! Metal Knight! Metal Knight! 
Welcome to Motley Metal, Pipe Bomb Radio's home for hard rock and metal. I am your host and master of ceremonies, Chris Rex. And I say master of ceremonies because here on Motley Metal, we party. And not only will we party today, we'll be fanging and banging with former WWE superstar, the vampire warrior himself, Gangrel. So if you like what you hear on this episode, please share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your uncle, because if you love hard rock, if you love metal, if you love Gangrel, then this is the episode for you. We're going to start the show off with Corey Taylor featuring Tech 9 and Kid Bookie. CMT Must Be Stopped off the upcoming CMFT album, followed by Lil Disturbed. And when we come back, I will be joined by our guest, Gangrel, right here on Motley Metal. Attention, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention?
disturbing creation from the mind of one sick animal can't tell the difference and get stupefied. And I've been waiting my whole life for just one block, and all I needed was just one block. Reality. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to introduce our guest today. He has traveled all over the world for the last 32 years as a professional wrestler. He is a former WWE superstar and the owner of the Gangrel Wrestling Asylum in Dania Beach, Florida. Please welcome Gangrel. What's going on, man? Everybody's banging and banging. You got your horns up. You're giving horns, taking horns. What's going on, world? <laughs> First off, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come and chop it up with me here on Motley Metal. I know you're busy, you know, with the gym and your school and the booking. So, really, I really want to thank you for doing that. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just like you said, super, super busy, which is blessed. Uh, what they got the school here. Uh, training facility so I'm running classes all week long now 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 I'm back on the road again it seems like some of the world's opening up like uh this week uh I'm in Indiana Crown Point next weekend I'm off in Texas and then back in New York in and out so uh, uh in Alaska uh, a few weeks after that so so I'm back to banging and banging on the road wrestling wise and stuff like that so it's so very blessed very very cool very very happy vampire <laughs> yeah man things are starting to open up I see a lot of more wrestling shows uh starting to run now um I hope they're all you know taking the right precautions to ensure everyone's safety a lot of the things I'm doing are like uh I notice the signings are coming back so they're doing virtual signings so they bring you into a venue but there's nobody in the venue but they set up all these live cameras so virtual the signings are making a comeback but they're like virtual signings so some of these things are virtual signings ah got you got you i mean that's that's where we are right now i guess that's the that's the safest way to do it the safest way yeah <laughs> so what's going on man what are, what are we talking about we got my little rock and roll what are we talking about i heard you got a little disturbed on there <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm, I play a little bit of everything. I try to, you know, mix it up with some some new newly released music with some old school tracks. I'm gonna play some Dio later on today. Uh, I, I got it all here on Motley Metal. Uh, <laughs> one of my uh, one of my students, I gave her. She did, she did the old Luna Eclipse, the Vader bomb, but she she renamed it. She's a big Dio fan, so she renamed it uh, Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. As I mentioned, you run your own wrestling school in Dania Beach, Florida, the Gangrel Wrestling Asylum. Tell us how that came about. What made you want to start training your own students? Okay, well, I've, at some point or another, I've always been involved with some type of wrestling school. So I was trained by Boris Malenko. And then uh, from Boris Malenko, I went on to Stanford and trained in the dungeon. So when I came back from there, I ended up running, uh, uh, I went to Alpha to go train, or the Wild Samoans, you know, Alpha uh, and Hawaii, uh, the Wild Samoans. So I went to go to his school to train. This was in, um, so I started in 87. So I trained, I was in the dungeon in like 89, and I went to all Japan. So then I came back, it was like early, uh, uh, already been to Tennessee, Puerto Rico. So it was like 94, I was going to go train with Alpha some, and then um, I was going to train, but I ended up running the school. So I ended up running it, so I was like, oh, I, I, I kind of dig this, and I moved back home to Florida, because I was in Pennsylvania. Then I moved back to Florida, and I started training for uh, Dean Malenko, the son of Boris. Boris Malenko trained me, so I started running Dean School, and, and I liked it, so then... When I moved out to California, I opened up my own school with Rikishi and his cousin Reno in Hawaii and more Samoans and uh, called Knox Pro. And then out there is the school where we trained. Uh, like, Rusev is probably one of the better known ones I trained there. Rusev, uh, Vanessa Bourne, and NXT. So I trained him. So uh, as the California lifestyle started burning me out, a little bit too much fang and a bang and a rock and rolling out there, I uh, hightailed it back home. To, I've seen my, my mess of a life up here in South Florida, where I'm from, from, born and raised, right here in Hollywood, Dania Beach. It's all right here in the same area. It's kind of like Jamaica, Queens. Queens. <laughs> um, so it was right there. So uh, I, I came back home, and, and um, 
a lot of people were telling me, uh, you know, wrestling so bad. I was in California, they were like, it's so bad in Florida. And I, mean, I was very pr- proud of the wrestling. It's like everybody is from like the Tri-State, New York area. There's great schools there and stuff. But, like, you can't be that, that bad. But then when I came back home, they weren't being trained. Right? In South Florida in particular, it was really, really bad. So uh, just kind of um, instead of just whining and complaining about it, I, I decided to put my money where my mouth is and, invested in opening the training facility and uh, we're going on our third year here now um and um, so that's what i'm doing and training and just trying to get back but i owe wrestling everything if it wasn't for professional wrestling i'd, I'd be in prison or dead i mean either either it, you know flip, it was a, it'd be a flip of a coin or i'd be so i have professional wrestling everything it doesn't mean nothing so uh, if i can get back to wrestling uh, by uh, training the young talent and and giving them a fighting chance of being decent and at least having a foundation and then, then, you know, I'm, I'm proud to do it. It's great to see veterans giving back to the business and passing on their knowledge to the next crop. I mean, guys like you, uh, Amazing Red, Joel Maximo, the Dudleys. I mean, you know, that's, I think that's the most selfless thing you can do is instead of me holding on to this and screw the next generation, you guys are actually here to help guys like me, you know, and without you guys like me wouldn't have the shot. Are there any students of yours that you currently feel are ready to start being seen by bigger companies such as Impact, AEW, or WWE? Yeah, I had a, I had a I had a set of twins here, uh, but the, the both unfortunately one has a kidney. They were twin twin girls, and uh, uh, they're not they're only eighteen now. Uh, I, they, I believe they could go anywhere they wanted at any time. They're from Colombia. Um, I have another guy from uh, Haiti here. Uh, he's French Creole, speaks three languages. He's a beast of a dude, 250, a monster. Uh, I think in the next two years, he's going to be as common as Charmin as a household name. You know, <laughs> he's going to, he's, I got a, uh, another kid here named Damien Finrear, who's, uh, I don't know if you know much about baseball, but his uncle was Dennis Martinez. He pitched a perfect game for the Orioles, I think, against the Dodgers. From, he's a Costa Rican. Uh, he's just, a, <laughs> he's an incredible, incredible. Uh, look, uh, super talented, and I, uh, and then I have a couple girls. I got Anna Diaz, who's, uh, who's one of my trainers here now, and and another one, Ruthie J, another French Creole girl. I got, I have a few that are on the threshold. Um, that really, I think, if it wouldn't have been for the COVID in the 2020, they would have popped up somewhere. But but it's, it might be good for them too because it gives them another, uh, kept them in the school a little bit here while it was quiet and work on training. We had to close for a while. Uh, but then once uh, some of the restrictions loosened up, we were able to get back open. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a few, I have at least five, I think, that I believe in my heart will uh, pop up somewhere. And that's a good ratio in the school, too. That's a really good ratio. <laughs> it is, man. It is. It's very rare that you have one person, let alone five people, you know. Pro wrestling has certainly evolved since you debuted. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current state of pro wrestling? Well, I, I, I'm struggling with the current state with the COVID and stuff, I'm struggling with cinema, cinematography, whatever. I like to say, cinema, I'm a live event guy and I really appreciate uh, wrestling, uh, to be a live event, to feel the action reaction of the crowd, that, that personal, we can come out and connect with them. So like the COVID's really got me lost out. But prior to that, um, it, 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 it had changed a lot. It was a little bit hard for me. Uh, even, even the attitude there, to be honest, even though I was part of the attitude there, which people considered like, some people considered to be like a really great era. I was the uh, 80s, 90s guy. I like the storytelling. I like I like to know who the bad guy. I wanted to know ah, that's the guy I don't like, or that's the guy I love. One or the other. I really like the storytelling about it. I really like to know my villain clearly. Nowadays, it's kind of confusing. Some people say, "Well, situational. Let the people choose." You know, it's like a Marvel comic. You know, sometimes 
you know, the bad guy's doing something, uh, you know, to the hat, you know, it's confusing to me. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good versus evil kind of guy, cut and dry, but as things evolve, we all do. I mean, uh, they say wrestling evolves, but it's really still professional wrestling. What do you want to do in a match? You want to pin somebody's shoulders to the map or one, two, three, you want to win. So it's still wrestling, but, 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 uh, you know, the sizes of people changed, you know, and, you know, uh, but that, it's okay. I think a lot of that, if you want to really come down, be honest to it, I think, you know, it, it's come down to like uh, all of the big guys who did the things. It came down to a lot of the drug testing and stuff like that. So monsters just couldn't be monsters without some help, you know. <laughs> like, you know? So, so it slowly transitioned over. But now now it's, um, you know, these kids, it's a generational thing too, maybe, because they all watch like uh, John Wick's and Mortal Kombat and, and this and that, and they're all, you know, all these crazy video games with all these kicks and stuff like that and flips. So, I was a '90s kid. You know, I grew up in the '90s. I was born in 1990. I grew up watching, you know, uh, the Rey Mysterios. I grew up watching the Rob Van Dam. So, you know, that's kind of like. To me, like, that's what excited me. Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, that excite. I, I wasn't around for really the Ric Flair. I love spot monkey wrestling. Well, I don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love some Ray Mysterio, and I also love Amazing Red. He's one of my favorites. I watched him coming up as a baby coming through there, and, and, and as, he, as he grew his wings and, and spread and flew. You know, Red was one of my favorites. Amazing Red. <laughs> Guys like that, uh, you know, we kind of get this bad rep of, you know, Oh, you're you're not using psychology, you know. You're not doing this. You're just a spot monkey. You're just doing moves. But what the, what like those older guys don't understand is this is what we grew up on. This is what we know. This is what excited us. So that's what we're gonna emulate. You know. If they ever stop to think about it, what you know, when I teach, when I'm when I'm teaching in my my training facility, I don't. When I, at the very beginning, I'll teach the good versus evil, just so they can understand. Okay, you know, if you're a bad guy, you did this, just so they can understand toy storytelling but then as it evolves i go there is no real it's two characters okay it's you getting this character over without burying this character and this character getting this character over without hurting his character now let's see what kind of match you're going to come up with so which turns into a lot of you watch my matches i'm guilty of everything the only time you see me grab a wrestle in the attitude there is if somebody got busted open and you thought they were hurt you go yeah right <laughs> here we go <laughs> you know what i mean scoops and whips and reversals i see <laughs> attitude era a lot of people consider that like one of the best eras and honestly i i could sit back i watch the wwe network like that shit's always on my tv um i go back and i watch and i have to say from an actual in-ring standpoint i don't see it but i can see the popularity it was the angles it was the stories it was the characters is that what made attitude era what it was it was the attitude you know but if you watch the actual in-ring stuff a lot of it really like if you compare it to today it's really not on the same level. Well, in the attitude era, everybody had a story. Every every loss on shotgun meant something. Every win or loss on Sunday Night Heat meant something. Everything meant something as you worked to Raw up to the pay per view that you know that that whatever pay per view was coming up. So every win and loss meant something. Everybody had a storyline. So everybody was relevant. Where so everybody could uh, relate to somebody. You always find somebody that you related to or you like. So it drew people in. So it covered all bases. Yeah, big guys, small guys. Yeah, they had every, every flavor there was. <laughs> I'll tell you, one of my favorite guys from the Attitude Era, and I feel he was very underrated, Takamichi Noku, man. I used to love watching that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I loved wrestling him. Uh, 
It was one of those TV. It was a TV match where you see that I kick him in the back of the head accidentally because he's so short. I, I, I misjudged the kick, and he drops down the rope. Boom, boom. He was stunned for a minute, and you see him literally come back, and he starts fighting me, and then he realizes where he is. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Taco Man, he was great to wrestle. I loved wrestling him. He was, he was tremendous. Well, up next, we have Ingway Malmsteen covering Painted Black, followed by Dio straight through the heart. And when we return, Gangrel and I will be discussing The Brood and his time with WWE. So stay tuned. This is Motley Metal. Yeah. 
You are tuned in to Motley Metal, Pipe Bomb Radio's home for hard rock and heavy metal.
If you're just tuning in to Motley Metal, we have a special guest with us today. He is none other than Gangrel. Now, I would say you are most known for your time in WWE as part of the Brood faction during the late 90s, but you were using the vampire gimmick long before that. The movie The Lost Boys was a huge hit in the 80s. Was that an influence on your character? 100%. It was 100% the influence on the character. Well, Sigma Luna, uh, rest in peace, is 10 years this, this month, August, that she's passed away, August 27th. Uh, it was with Luna, we were having what they call like an old baloney blowout. We're Sunday thing, got a couple of bottles of wine, we're sitting around eating a bunch of bologna, sausage, cheese, whatever kind of junk food you crave that day, we're watching movies. And she goes, uh, she used to be married to a fellow named Dick Slater. Everybody knows Dick Slater, right? And uh, uh, Dirty Dick Slater. So she goes, Dick, Dick, you turned me on to this uh, movie, The Lost Boys. Want to check it out? So I uh, watched the movie with her, and I was like, wow. I was like, would it be great to, to wrestle as a vampire? And I was kind of joking, but I dug the movie enough, and, I, and the whole group, I, I was thinking the whole fashion, because I was a free bird guy, right? So uh, she goes, yeah, that'd be awesome. I go, no, 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 you can never get away with it, because long like you're talking about the training facility earlier and, and training and stuff, they didn't, nobody helped you. <laughs> like, they didn't smarten you up on anything, this and that. So let alone, you can go in there and say, like, I, I want a job and be a vampire. <laughs> like, like, it was ridiculous. You can get beat up. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Goes, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do anything you want. I, I heard a little boy. So I'm like, okay, okay. She talked me into it. But, uh, so, you know, so it was there. It was in my head. And, and ironically enough, that week, I, I was still working, uh, so I had been to Japan tours and stuff, so I was in between, so I was working, um, my, my uncle had a landscape company, you know, I was helping him, I was working him, uh, doing some kind of whatever he was, where were we working, this guy comes out of the apartment, he was a weird dude, he had his toenails were painted, he was a bald guy with a crazy looking beard, and he, he came up to me, he said, hey man, you look like you could be a wrestler, and I go, yeah, I wrestle, and, you know, you pipe up, somebody thinks you're a wrestler, you know, and, um, he's like, uh, yeah, well, what's your, what's your character, and I go, uh, vampire and he goes great you got any pictures and i'm like uh yeah i had no pictures i had nothing i had no idea what i was gonna do with it he goes hey man if you can give me some pictures and bring them to me tomorrow i'll send them up to, i'm going to puerto rico it turns out he worked for the puerto rico office and they were just getting ready to open opposite uh, carlos Colon after the unfortunate the brody stuff so they were going to get the office of the iwa which was AWF to turn into iwa that ran opposite uh, carlos Colon in puerto rico so I run home. I go, I, I got to get pictures. So ended up taking, uh, you know what lead press on nails are? So I would size them up to my, to my canine. So I clip them and then paint them the color of my teeth and then super glue it on. I spiked my mohawk. I had like a mohawk, like a mullet, a skullet kind of, a skullet kind of thing. I spiked it up. I put eyeliner on. I painted eyebrows. I put a cape on. I took a picture. I bring it to him the next day. He goes, perfect. What's your name? I went, uh, Lestat. I couldn't think of a name. So interview with a vampire rung out. So I said, "Was that?" So it was it, that was an influence too. So I said, "Was that?" He goes, "Was that the vampire?" I go, "Yeah, was that?" So and ironically, he told me that when I, my height and weight was wrong. So he goes, you know the picture? He goes, "I go, yeah." It, it gets me lie about my height. He has me put like six six uh, four or something, six three and a half. My weight was like I was like two twenty or something like that. He had me to put like two sixty, some ridiculous weight, and all that. So he had me lie on my staff. So I was terrified sending this to Puerto Rico. So they, sure enough, they call and book me to come down to Puerto Rico. They go, hey, we got the big show. We're, you know, we're, we're starting up. And I go down there, and it was Savio Vega, TNT. You know Quang, Savio, the Puerto Rico. Yeah. So 
he's like the office guy. So I, I do the match and everything. It, it was crazy. And then they, they, they want to see you in the office on a, uh, it was, uh, Sunday. I was flying out on Monday or, or maybe it was the Monday, whatever it was. They, they wanted me to come to the office. I had an extra day there. So I go in there and he's got my picture and he goes, so, uh, 6'4", huh? And I'm like, oh, the mohawk, because I was standing the hair up. It was really tall. And he, he goes, mm, what, you have uh, AIDS or something? Uh, says, says 260 or whatever the weight was. I go, no, I'm dieting. I'm dieting. And he just laughed. He says, you want a job? So, so there, they, they hired hired me as was Fat the Vampire. And then there was a Pierre Martel from G. Martin came along. He took the book over Puerto Rico. Then it evolved. He says, what is this, the fat? You're, you're a warrior. You're a vampire. You're a vampire warrior. So then it became the vampire warrior. So that was down in Puerto Rico, 91 and stuff. Then I ended up going to Japan as that. Then 93, I ended up in Memphis uh, with USWA as the Vampire Warrior, which later, by 98, then evolved to Gangrel. Ah, interesting, interesting. I didn't, I didn't know. Like I kind of looked up a lot of information on, on you. I didn't know all that, though. Some I've always wondered. Like, I've always thought the fangs were cool. <laughs> are those real? Like, are those a shoot or are those gimmick teeth? Well, at first... They were the Lee Press on now, so I did that for years, all the way up to around uh, to a time I was about right after Memphis in '93, like '94, '94, '95, '96. They were actually bonded permanent, and then uh, Vince, I was uh, doing some stuff as the Black Phantom in, in WWF, as doing jobs as, as the Black Phantom. One of them, I was originally uh, characters called the Blackhearts before I was the Vampire thing, so so I did that same character, just called it the Black Phantom, and because. Uh, they would let me wear the mask because I had fangs, and they thought it was crazy. You know, they go let him wear the mask. So you know, I was the only masked job guy in WWF at the time because they just didn't want to have the fangs, but they would use me. So uh, then Vince came up to me, Vince man, and he goes, "Hey, um, you know, I'm never going to use this vampire thing. Get rid of those fangs. Get your normal teeth back to normal. Grow your hair and lose a little bit more weight, and I'll give you a job." Well, I did all that, and it turns out I went to all Japan in '98. It's just David Heath, and um, when I was on that. On that trip, they hired me. Uh, they hired me. WWF hired me. So I, I came home from that All Japan trip. They hired me, and then uh, they told me, "Oh, you may sit home for a year. We don't really have enough for a year." And I was like, "What?" And then I guess they gave Vince Russo creative control for like a month. And Vince Russo calls me up. Like I'm only on the contract for like a week. He calls me up, making, "Hey, uh, this is Vince Russo. Can, uh, can you still do the vampire thing?" I go, uh, "Yeah." This was a Friday night, and then I, I debuted on, on Sunday, on, on the, uh, uh, Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> I ran out the Hot Topic, went and bought, bought a post shirt, blah, blah, blah. Went back to the Lee Press on Nails for the for the first part. Then, uh, then I got some uh, uh, costume fangs or whatever uh, along the way, and then, then, I, then I got to what I wear now. I still wear, I'm still wearing the same set of fangs from since 98. Well, they're not permanent anymore. <laughs> like a retainer. Who came up with the name Gangrel? Was that WWE's doing, or was that your choice? No, no, no. It was it was Vince McMahon, as much as he probably says it's not him. Uh, he, I gave him a bunch of research on some role-playing stuff, this and this and that. And uh, when they decided out of nowhere that they were going to uh, go ahead and do this character, they, they go, well, we need a name. And uh, apparently, I don't know, I wasn't there. I heard him, so I like that name, Gangrel. And uh, then they didn't... Um, do any legal research on it so when i debuted by by, by monday morning they had a hell of a lawsuit from their hands but but now i own I, I own it trademark and registered now so i have all the rights to it all now but it was a hot mess for a while there i, I heard a story about that that it was owned by like white wolf finger or it's like it was a video game 
Yeah, that role playing uh, RPG, um, whatever it's called. Now. So they 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 uh, sued them for like millions, and they, and they had to advertise like three years or five years or something. That's why it was always in the magazine, the White Wolf game. Now let's talk about the Brood. It was definitely a unique stable at a time when wrestling was becoming more uh, reality based. How much of your creativity was put into the faction? Well, I always, from the day one when I watched the movie The Last Boys, was always wanting the, the brood. That, that's what, um, that was what the goal was, to, to have a group of cool vampires. I would tell them, um, listen, it doesn't matter if you, if you win or lose or whatever. As long as you look cool doing it, people are going to love vampires. Vampires get their ass kicked all the time, which is whether they do it in a cool matter or not. Um, they said, oh, we're going to um, put you with a Christian it's his brother and it was this faction. So yeah, I was always pushing for it because I was a giant Three Birds fan. And then from the movie The Lost Boys, I just thought a group group of young vampires wearing leather jackets and chains, looking really cool, uh, hanging out in nightclubs and under piers and doing you know all all this kind of gothic lifestyle thing would be like really really cool. And I thought it would work. And they they said we don't really get what you're talking about. <laughs> they never got what I was talking about with the whole vampire thing. But with the brood thing from one that I was pushing, I was pushing like a group. I never was just pushing solely for me as a fire. So it's like 1991, but um, but then Bruce Pritchard, right? Tom Pritchard, they, I think they both kind of got it. And Vince Russo said, "Ah, I, I, we got it." And then boom, they pushed forward. And then they were like, "Ah," I can remember like Jr. going, "We really don't know what people like about this, but, but they, they seem to like it." <laughs> it. Let me tell you, dude. It was so cool, like being a nine, nine, ten year old kid, seeing that entrance, the, your walk, like the way you walk to your music, like it was the coolest thing I ever seen. And I just feel like, like you said, like not enough people understood it, not enough people got what it was. You know, it was cool ass vampire, like <laughs> vampires are cool. The Lost Boys, man. So uh, Edge and Christian, they were booked to be in it since day one. No, um, no, there, there, there was no. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't know what to do. Christian wasn't there yet. Uh, Edge was already under contract before I came along. And they had no idea what to do with him. So they thought, oh, well, Edge is kind of cool looking like a wolf. Maybe we'll feud him like the vampire thing. That's when Russo came along, like, decided to do the vampire stuff. So they didn't know what to do. But then yeah, I was always pitching the group. And then they really just didn't know where to go with this feud. And then, like, they brought Christian in. And they saw how people were responding to Edge's brother with me. And then... One day it was just working Kane, and they, they didn't say anything. We came in and they go, ah, oh, we're, we're going to go ahead and be that group, you know? <laughs> What's the group called? He goes, uh, the Brood? I, I didn't come up with the, uh, the name. It was like The Brood, you know? I'm like, uh-oh, okay. <laughs> like, and, and there was never any story behind it, rhyme, reason. Nobody knew why Edge joined us or why <laughs> anything. It was never really explained how The Brood came about. I could remember hearing JR saying, uh, I don't know if they were friends in their village, some, some you know, like village, <laughs> like, like I said, I dress Renaissance with a puppy, but I don't want to be a pirate shirt. <laughs> I often feel that, uh, you know, WWE should have and could have done so much more with you guys. I love that the brood was part of the Ministry of Darkness. Like out of all that talent in the group, the brood made the most sense. But what led to the brood disbanding? Well, if you think about it. The brood run was what, like eight months? It's really short. It seems longer than it was. It was like eight months. And I had the same talk with Edge and Christian when I did their podcast. Because they were like, oh, well, I don't know what to end it. Because I remember they put us in the ministry and I said, oh, this isn't good. And I'm like, no, no, this is great. I go, no, no, no. They're, 
we were getting over too much. Now they put us in the ministry. They, they try to contain that. <laughs> and I said, I said, watch. It's not going to go good. And then one night, the ministry would all come out on the stage. We were at the end of the stage. And uh, and the people were booing. And then the booze turned to like, brew, 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 brew. And I leaned over the edge. I said, ah, we're done in the ministry. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, we're done. <laughs> like, it was like a... We got over, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was a week later, two weeks later. They came home and said, you know, we're going to split you from the ministry. And when they told us that, I told I remember telling Adam. I said... Brew's done too. He goes, no, I go, nah, we're done, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's done. And then shortly after that, I remember them coming up. You know, Dave, you're really the brood, you know. <laughs> like, because what, what was happening, and and explain Adam because uh, Edge, he, he wasn't getting it. As I said, this thing it was an accidental. It was a perfect storm. It, it just blew up. It was nothing they wanted. It, it, they didn't choose it. We created it. it. It's nothing they really wanted, but it just kept. Painted like a wildfire, it just kept going and going and going. It put it in the ministry, you couldn't consume it. It, it just kind of outshined the ministry in a way, like fan wise. They, they get behind the root. And then I said, They had plans for you. They had plans for Adam. When I came in, they said, Hey, we just need you to, because I've been around since 87, trade since 87, and worked in all the other countries. So I knew all the guys from WWF stuff. I knew all the old guys and everything. They all got along with me and, and, and my relationship with Luna. Like, so I knew everybody. So I was always around. And they go, hey, we just need you to, you know, take care of him, get him in there, get him to blend in with everybody. He's, he's we're strapping a rock on him. He's our future. Uh, they knew that all the way back then that he was the man. So the the brood was so so an accidental storm and caught fire, you know, or however you want to look at it. It was getting over so fast and so strong. It would have consumed him if they didn't end it soon. If you ask him now, anywhere they go, it's the first thing that people ask about. Hey, the brood stuff. They still ask about that. Just that little eight-month run. Out of that whole time, 20-some years later, people still ask about the brood thing. So if you would have stayed in the brood much longer, if you would have stayed in it much longer, it probably would have consumed his identity where he would have never went on to be the rated R superstar and all that. You know, it could have been a good possibility. So he had to, they had to get him out of there because he was, you know, that was their future. They planned on putting the belt on him. They told me that, that he was the future. <laughs> So I, I, I understood it. So when I saw all the levels going, like, okay, in the ministry, oh, we're out of the ministry. That's when I said, oh, we're done. He goes, no, we're not. And right. And they said, oh, we're going to split you. I knew because I knew what their plans were for him. So being around wrestling, not not all, not being a top guy, not being this, but watching Luna through all the years. But wrestling since, the, you know, 87, 88, i say 88, 89, really was my only job besides the few I've been in, bouncing here and there, like helping my uncle out in between like a Japan tour. So you kind of, you kind of seen it. You, you, you've seen a lot of the angles and you see where things are going and you just kind of see it and you go, ah, there's nothing I can do about this one. But, um, you know, maybe I should have fought more for the my, the gangrel itself to keep it alive. But uh, I was injury bound, had a lot of injuries and broke my neck. And uh, so, you know, it throws a lot of flags up, lifting up. The greatest lifestyle with Luna out there rocking and rolling and, and like living like a rock star, you know, bound to burn out on one, one end or the other, you know. So, you know, I was Luna's worst enemy in some ways, but, but the brood thing was, it was, um, it was it, it, they had, they had, it was the only route they could go, or I, I, I truly believe it would have consumed Edge's identity. Oh, well, that's certainly a different way to look at it. I never thought about it that way, had, you know, that maybe Edge's career wouldn't have taken off. We're going to take a quick music break with a previously unreleased Linkin Park track from the original Hybrid Theory recording sessions, 
that was recently released as a single from their upcoming Hybrid Theory 20-year anniversary album, followed by our friends Robots and Gods with more.
is Bogdan, lead singer from Robots and Gods, and you're listening to Pipe 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 Bomb Radio. Rock on! We are back with my guest Gangrel. I'm having a great time fanging and banging with him. I hope he's enjoying the conversation as well. And if you're enjoying this episode, please hit that heart button and share it on Facebook and Twitter. You are the lifeblood of Pipe Bomb Radio. And without your support, none of this is possible. Now, Gangrel, you were released by WWE in 2001. What was the reason for your release? I, I broke my neck. Uh, a week after they gave me clearance to go back to work, they, they just released me. <laughs> I don't know what the reason was. So then, then they hired me back. I didn't even know what year it was. They hired me back again for like almost a year. Let me go again and then hired me back like four months later for the ECW thing and then let me go again like, like six months later. <laughs> you've had a, a few stints in WWE since then, uh, but you've also been working on the independent scene. Well, when when I got released, when I when I broke my neck and and I was out that year, and then when they gave me the clearance to go back, they released me within that month of that year of being released. I went to England and I ended up having like a, 
an 18-year uh, run in the U.K. I was going over uh, almost, almost six months out of the year. So I kind of disappeared. So I would go over uh, early after, uh, September, late September, October, November. I'd come home Christmas and go back late January, say February, March, April, and then come home for the summer and work randomly there. And I did that for almost 18 years, you know, and in WWE, the only time I didn't go and the time I got broke up was the, the two times that the WWF, WWE hired me back in, in those few times. And um, so I did that. I actually, I think it's my 19th year I just went over there, uh, or 20. I don't know. It was really, uh, like, they just did the 50th anniversary. So I just stayed heavy in the uh, UK, Germany scene. And then um, in recently, um, the last few years here, um, uh, was it the, whatever year, what, 2018, 2019, uh, Things were, I, I was slated for 2020 probably to have a better year than I had in uh, WWF. Like, I was, like, slammed. I was double booked, leaving out on Thursdays, working Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, some Thursday nights, coming back in, running my own stuff, running my school uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if I was home, if I didn't fly out for a show. And I was pretty much working seven days a week to slate it, and then the, the COVID stuff hit, uh, and then everything came to a screeching halt, and... Uh, uh, the school, I stayed I stayed busy at the school because I did private one-on-ones with people. So I would spend almost uh, 14, 15 hours a day at school uh, bringing one student in at a time through uh, protocol and training on one-on-ones because I have close to 70 active students right now training here at GWA, Florida. So, uh, so, super, so super busy trying to keep everybody in rotation. So uh, now... Doors are open regular. Just on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we do like seven to ten classes now. So everybody's in a location of like you know uh, twenty five people a class. So it's a little bit easier now, but I'm still spending eight hours a day in school. Like that, like I'm sitting here now. So then now I'm going back to work. The weekends are starting to fill back in. So so it looks like everything gets back on track. Hopefully twenty twenty one picks up where twenty nineteen left off to going into twenty twenty. Yeah, hopefully fingers crossed, man. So, like we talked about earlier, you have your school, the Gangrel Wrestling Asylum. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been up to? Um, are there any new business ventures you're involved in? Uh, no. Um, when I was in L.A., I was, did, did, did a few TV shows like Cougar Town and uh, movies, little drop-in spots like Human Centipede 3 and stuff like that. But um, right now, I, I've just been tuned in the, the school 24-7 and, uh, and getting back on the road wrestling. We run our run our own shows here at Daniel Beach Casino. Uh, and uh, the shows that we have run have all been sellouts, uh, right around uh, like under 600 people, 30 something standing room. So it's what the building would hold. So we've been doing really good. We just didn't go to school. So I, I don't have any time for anything else than wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. So let's talk some hard rock and metal. What are, what are some of your favorite bands out there? I like listen to a little bit of everything, but if you want to talk like metal and stuff like that, uh, I don't know if you remember Nasty Savage. Nasty Savage. <laughs> you remember Nasty Savage? He was in wrestling a little bit. Nasty, uh, Nasty Savage. You check him out. They had songs like No Sympathy and Gladiator, uh, Metal Knights. And then there's Megadeth, you know, um, maybe some more. I don't know if you want to call it current, but I mean, I like Judas Priest. I like Judas Priest, uh, Nonpoint, Filter, um, uh, Seven Dust. Stuff like that, but you know, then I like my traditional stuff like Metallica. You know, I don't know if it's traditional words, but uh, Molly Crew, Metallica, Van Halen, which is rock and roll. Some people say Metallica is metal, but it's all rock and roll. 
It is. It is. I mean, I personally, my favorite band is Motley Crue, man. Like, just I've always been, <laughs> I've always been kind of attracted to that. Um, like you say, that fanging and banging lifestyle. You know, that that rock star lifestyle. They watch the movie Dirt, right? And they go, oh, the movie Dirt, right? They go, I said, well, yeah, you watch the movie Dirt, and that was like amplify that times like ten, and then that was the attitude there. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, The Dirt, is actually what um made me start doing this show. Originally, it was called Motley Mondays, and it would just it would just be a, a Monday show, and I would play just strictly '80s glam glam metal and mostly like Motley Crue stuff. And I've always just been like attracted to you know Nikki Six's aura. You know his story really just uh, speaks out to me. Yeah. And um his book, The Heroin Diaries, that was the first book I had read since I was in high school. Like, I, I read it in within 24 hours, and it just spoke to me, man. And it really makes you think, like, I'm so attracted to that rock star lifestyle. But, you know, now you know those consequences yeah, of that lifestyle. It, 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 it runs hand in hand with pro wrestling, unfortunately. That, that, that movie, you know, the, the, like the very first season when Tommy Lee's like, check this out. And he's going down on the yeah. <laughs> like, You know, I, that was like just a common, like, night in a hotel room. I wrote, like, I think everybody would have been in it. Cell phones would have been as popular. You can't. I think everybody would have been in prison or something. Like the stuff that was going on. I go. Somebody would have had to answer for something. Like, you know. Oh yeah, man. Thank God there was like no social media back then, man. You <laughs> uh, have a Polaroid here and there. Like, oh, that's not me. Look at that. <laughs> now, do you have any um specific songs you listen to when preparing for a match or when you're on the road? Ah, uh, and you know. Sometimes I listen to like Rage Against Machine, Kill It in the Name of, or Bullet in the Head, you know. <laughs> so yeah, like like yeah. So a lot of Rage before I go to the ring. Um, live Wire crew sometimes. Live Wire like that will take you to the top. <laughs> yeah, well, those two are on my playlist, man. And Rage Against the Machine. I'm a graphic designer as well. So a lot of times when I'm like working on graphics, I'll throw on some Rage, man, and it's just like gets you in that mood. Yeah, and you don't realize it. And it you're getting in the boom, 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 but then the words you get in your head, and all of a sudden you're like political. <laughs> you know what? Going on with this world. <laughs> you're ready to go out there and make a stand, you know? F the norm, man. <laughs> if you don't mind, we're going to take a quick music break and play some of those songs you mentioned. And when we come back, we'll be getting to fans' questions and comments with Gang Growl only here on Motley Metal.
If you love what you're hearing on Motley Metal, check out Pipe Bomb Radio Shows, available on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, MileHighRadio.com, I-95 Sports Network, and Fun Indie Radio.
we are back with Gangrel here, and we're going to be wrapping it up soon, but not before we get to your questions and comments. Our first one here is from Yesenia Nunez, a fan of yours and a supporter of your school. She asks, what motivates you to be focused on a wrestling match? Yesenia, I, I think Yesenia is from uh, Texas, I think. I think I know who she's talking about because she writes there every day and I think, what, what, what motivates me for the match? Yeah. Uh, just the passion uh, of wrestling, you know. So being in WWF, right, and and working in the big arenas and, and the brew thing, how popular it was, you know. You come out and it, it you get that 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 rush. You'd be like crew or something coming out. So every day you're work, when, when you go to come out, you're wondering when you're gonna come out the silence. When did they forget? When did they not? <laughs> so it, it, you, you know that adrenaline there, like a borderline sit behind the curtain. It's not I'm not gonna have a bad match by this or that. I love wrestling, so. Even if it's a bad match, I'm gonna love it. I'm just gonna hate myself for it, but but I'm gonna love it. It's, it's a drug I'm big to, but it's that that are they gonna react when I walk out of that curtain? It's just it, 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 it gets to the point where it's gonna be like crickets and nobody knows you anymore. And uh, well, I've been so blessed that 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 because um, I think because of the, the uh, network and stuff like when I'm in the UK that. I'll have like the, these guys will come up to me. And go, oh, my daughters love you. They're favorite. I go, they're like they're like eight years old. He goes, oh, I'm the network mate. They <laughs> love you. They love the brew. They love the fire. They're your favorite. They're they're, they're all attitude there. <laughs> so I, I, I'm so blessed with I, that. A lot of wrestlers complain about the network, but I, I love it because it, it keeps me relevant and current and it educates the younger fans to stuff because they go, oh, this is Edge, and then their parents go, oh, you, you like Edge? Well, let me show you when Edge started. Like, here's the bruise, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like, oh, I got fangs, oh. <laughs> well, we have a loyal listener of Motley Metal and Pipe Bomb Radio from here in New York, Mark Braverman, and he wants to know, do you hate Vince McMahon? No, no. I don't, um, he's on my, he, he, no, he's never done anything bad to me. I, I can't look at any business decisions, like I said earlier when we were talking, if you're listening, you'll see, you'll see that I was probably my own worst enemy in some things. You know, it's not the only thing he told me was he would never use his umpire character, but then yeah, they did. Uh, well, Vince Russo split it in there, so uh, no. I, I don't, And I don't think I hate anybody, but I don't dislike him, so to clarify that. I don't hate anyone. hate such strong word, but I, I don't dislike him either. I, I'm fine with him one way or another. You know, handshake, hello, down the thing. It's all, it's all, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Like I said, I will wrestling everything. Wrestling owes me nothing. I say it my life. <laughs> gonna consume you. Use your body up. Squeeze every ounce out of you. <laughs> you know, use up. throw you away. But that's just that's just wrestling thing. But it, it saved me. I, I mean, I was in. I grew up in a rough neighborhood, and I was in some bad stuff. And when I found wrestling, it, it took me a different route. It still was around some suspect characters, this and that. But I was all fine. But it, it gave me. It gave me something. Something to focus on, and I clawed my way out of there, and then um, I made it. I, you know, I made it. I made it, which is uh, not an easy thing to do. I was very blessed being in the right place at the right time. You know, a lot of it's just timing, and um, uh, it's really hard work and a lot of timing. You know, I'm, I'm 51, and I still don't know where I'd be. I'm still wrestling. <laughs> we have a comment from Alex Alcazaz, aka the Bear of Texas. He's a uh... My fellow co-host on a podcast we do called Dark Side of the Podcast. And he just wants you to know that he greatly appreciates everything you did and do. And he thinks that you are one of the most underrated talents from the Attitude Era. And that your entrance with the brew was super unique. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and, you know, I'll tell you what the entrance was tributed after. The kiss. 
I'm a big Kiss fan too. <laughs> like, uh, so like, it's always Vince Russo. So like, uh, Blood Spray, that was my tribute to Gene uh, Simmons, you know, uh, uh, solo and like Guys of Thunder, like he would let it, he, the blood would come out with his drumming, you know. So I, I, I said, oh, I'll spray it. So that was like my Gene, Sim, uh, Gene Simmons tribute. And then uh, Russo with the, the flames in the stage, he came up with that. And he was a huge Kiss fan. So a lot of that entrance, not the music itself, but the entrance was uh, a, a Kiss uh, tribute to Kiss. I love the music, like that music, like everything about that whole entrance, man. It just blicked, like. I'm a boy, they from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> when I first seen you grab that goblet, bro, and, and you're, I'm like, is he really drinking blood? Oh my, I'm nine years old thinking this shit's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you watch the first couple ones, I was like, like making love to it. They go, hey, you got, you got to stop that. You're just gonna have to, uh, <laughs> you figure something else out. Okay, <laughs> erotic. They go, oh, I'm supposed to enjoy the blood. They go, yeah, well, enjoy it in a different way. <laughs> Jeremy Gomez, he is the owner of Generation Championship Wrestling in Florida. I do a lot of graphic work for him. Um, He would just like to thank you for working the first GCW show at Canifest. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're great people, man. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was outside of, like, a festival. Yeah, it was really cool. They're, they're all good dudes, man. They're tremendous. <laughs> yeah, they, he's actually running a nice little promotion. Yeah, they out go there. all over too, man. I think they did some stuff like I don't know. They were going to like Chicago, or Detroit. They were all like all over. They they're going to Indiana, I believe, in September. Oh uh, wow! I wish that they they were they were like treating me super great, and they were like yeah, they're good people. Uh, Gangrel, it was a pleasure having you on Motley Metal, and I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks. Where can my listeners find you on social media? My Facebook is Gangrel David Heath. Uh, the school itself is Gang, uh, GWA Florida, Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum, or GWA Florida on Facebook. Or uh, uh, on my Instagram, it's also uh, Gangrel David Heath. Or, uh, well, I think it is. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. But definitely on Facebook, it's Gangrel David Heath. Or you can check the school out at GWAFlorida.com. We already got to this earlier, but just in case people are just tuning in, any upcoming shows that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I'll be in... Um, Crown Point in uh, Indiana this weekend for Black Label Pro. I think I'm wrestling with Effie. Um, then I'll be in Texas for the Indy Expo next week. And uh, I'll be in Alaska wrestling Kurt Hawkins. The Brian Myers is calling himself now in Alaska throughout September. So looking forward to getting back in the groove. And then I can't even remember October. October's filled every day. They get canceled twice because of COVID and refilled again. So. <laughs> and if you are in the area and would like to become a professional wrestler, Check out Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum in Dania Beach, Florida. Again, thank you for being my guest, and I hope we can do it again yeah, sometime. Yeah, thank, thank you. And if you want to check out some of the shows we did just, uh, on YouTube, go to uh, GWA Florida, one word, GWA Florida, and you can find all the all the all our matches and stuff. We're on our Facebook page, so you can see our products and stuff we're doing. So thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it, man. Keep banging and banging and rocking and rolling. Man. You too, man. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. I also want to thank each and every one of you for joining me for another episode of Motley Metal here on Pipe Bomb Radio. I know this week we took a break from the Quarantine Live Concert Series, but it will continue next week with Dio. That's right. All live tracks from Dio, so I hope you join me next week. Huge shout out to MileHighRadio.com and Pipe Bomb Radio who broadcast this show. I'm gonna leave you off with a new track from Marilyn Manson, We Are Chaos. And as always, 
Be excellent to each other and party on. If you say that we're ill, give us your pills. Hope will just go away. But once you've inhaled death, everything else is for few. Say